You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of KUCI, its management, the California Board of Regents, or campaign volunteers. You know who you are. Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the September 29th, 2020 edition of Ask a Leader. Orange County's voter sample ballots are going out. Today, we're hanging out down ballot again with Irvine City Council candidates Farrah Khan running for mayor and Larry Agron, Lauren Johnson Norris, and Tammy Kim running for city council. Let's start this show right away. I'm going to try something a little different. For the full hour, my guests will appear all at the same time in what I hope will be a stump speech free zone. I'm offering the briefest of introductions as we have a lot of policy to cover in this forum. All city council seats are nonpartisan. Irvine voters will be able to cast one vote for mayor and two votes for city council. Were Farrah Khan successful in her bid for mayor, our third council seat to vote on would fill her council seat that she'd vacate. Now for the candidates in today's interview. Starting with council member Farrah Khan challenging incumbent mayor Christina Shea. Farrah Khan was first elected to the city council in 2018. She founded First Drops, an interfaith organization for parents with young children. She served as the executive director of the Newport Mesa Irvine Interfaith Council, a member of the Orange County Sheriff's Interfaith Advisory Board and the steering committee on the Irvine Global Village. Her earlier appointments include Irvine Services Commissioner, Deerfield Elementary PTA President and Middle School PTA Board. She served on the school side council at a local high school. Previous to her family run catering business, Farrah was a senior supervisor at Turin, Chiron, Chiron Corp, Corporation and a quality assurance manager at Northview Pacific Labs. Now the city council candidates in alphabetical order. Larry Agron, who served with the free speech movement, served as chief legal counsel for the California State Senate and Health Welfare Committee. Larry's public interest pursuits continued in the 1970s with a series of health law projects culminating in the publication of The Cancer Connection. Larry, having served for more than 20 years on the city council, including 10 years as mayor of Irvine, presided over growth control policies, affordable housing policies, the open space preservation plan, Orange County's first human rights ordinance, the nation's first comprehensive municipal ordinance to eliminate chlorofluorocarbons and other ozone depleting chemicals destroying the ozone layer. Programs in childcare and recycling, the city's living wage ordinance, and an end to the Orange County Supervisor's proposed international airport at the former El Toro Marine Corps Air Base, replacing it with a 1,300-acre grade park and approval of a 125-acre state-built, state-operated Veterans Memorial Park and cemetery in the Great Park. Next candidate 
is Lauren Johnson. Norse served as a deputy public defender, then began her own law practice in Irvine with a focus on children, youth, and families. Lauren Johnson North serves as an Irvine Community Service Commissioner advising the City Council where she's taken of transportation, affordable housing, water safety, park space, recreation, child services, and land conservation. She's co-chair of the Irvine Children, Youth, and Families Advisory Committee. In other organizations, she served on the board of the local YMCA and is president of the South Orange County Bar Association. She's volunteered with the Orange County Bar Association Mentorship Committee and has been a guest speaker at the UCI Law School. And finally, our last council candidate is Tammy Kim. Formerly a Fortune 500 company executive has been a small business owner, has worked with startup companies and venture capital. Tammy has served on the Irvine Global Village Festival Steering Committee, Irvine Census Complete Count Committee, Language Access Committee for the Orange County Registrar Voters, and Education Advisory Committee for Cotty Petrinors. They all come to us from their homes in the city of Irvine. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Farah, Larry, and Lauren, and welcome anew to Tammy. Thank you so much. This is Tammy Kim. Thank you, Claudia, for inviting us here. Hi, Claudia. This is Lauren. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you so much, Claudia. It's wonderful to be here. And this is uh, Larry Agrin. Thank you for having us. It's good to be together. Well, I won't pretend to be exhaustive. I've selected a few policy areas for the listeners to compare the candidates. First, we'll start with mayoral candidate Farrakhanda, take this, and then we can go in alphabetical order, but I'll mix it up later on. First, Irvine has economic recovery challenges as the COVID-19 pandemic drains resources. What's left in the reserves? What are your priorities, Councilmember Farrakhan, with rescuing what sectors in the city of Irvine? Thanks, Claudia. This is such an important topic to discuss because, you know, this pandemic has definitely put uh, an economic crisis in front of us. What's important to know right now is that Irvine, compared to other cities in Orange County, is still doing quite well. We have about $50 million in our reserve. And right now, I'm working with our state and federal representatives to make sure we get the funding that we need back down to our local level. I was the one that actually fought with our, um, you know, Orange County supervisors to get the CARES Act funding that they're holding on to into our city so we could provide grants for our small businesses. I did the same thing working with Cotty Petrie Norris up in the assembly, making sure that we got money so that we could provide rent relief for our residents here. And continuing forward, we need to make sure that we have a strong commitment to work with our state and federal representatives to get the money that's out there into our pockets here at the local level so we can give back to our community when it's in their time of need. Not only that, but you know, I've heard my colleagues talk about not dipping into that um, reserve fund. And I've asked them that we have saved up those taxpayer dollars into the reserve for a rainy day. If today is not a rainy day, then what is? So I'd like to ask Larry to take that up in the alphabetical or the council member candidates. Yes, well, it's unfortunate that our uh, mayor and city council failed to work with UCI from the very beginning in a way that would 
produce a really robust response to the coronavirus pandemic here in Irvine. And yes, while we're uh, doing uh, reasonably well compared with other cities, I think all of my colleagues here would agree that there's so much more that needs to be done at the local level. We, uh, a city of 300,000 people during the uh, evenings, in fact, uh, swell as a population to 500,000 during the workday. We are a big city. We ought to be the center of the coronavirus response here. We need to establish a Department of Public Health. We need to establish a chief health officer. We need to hire a public health workforce at the city. And again, establish firm contacts with UCI in a way that produces a really robust response. This pandemic is going to be with us for at least another year and uh, we need to be ready. Lauren Johnson Norris. Well, you asked about what our economic priorities should be. And I believe our economic priorities have to be helping small businesses during this time. What we need to understand is small businesses are the employers in our community. They employ our residents who in turn support their families and pay their rent. And if they can't pay their rent, then they can face homelessness. So we need strong advocates on this council to seek out and advocate for our share of future CARES Act funds, and then take that money and invest in these small businesses because it doesn't just help them, it helps residents, it helps their families as well. And finally, I'll just say, you know, business does well when it's open, but we can't open until we get a handle on COVID. So we need strong COVID policy protections in place, masking and all the safety measures so we can open safely. And Tammy Kim, finally. Yes, hi, Claudia. Um, thank you so much for the question. So, uh, you know, as finance commissioner for the city of Irvine and the managing director of one of the largest nonprofit organizations serving the Asian American community here in Orange County and in Irvine, um, you know, I've seen firsthand, um, you know, the both the social public policy, the health policies, as well as uh, the, you know, economic ramifications of COVID. So, you know, just for our listeners here, the city of Irvine will be experiencing a $22 million budget shortfall as a result of the decline of uh, retail sales tax, hotel tax revenues, as, as well as recreational fees. And what many residents don't realize is that the Orange County Board of Supervisors received $500 million from the Federal CARES Act um, and that um, in a, a budget uh, proposals back in April, we were slotted to receive about $49 million of that. And the city of the, the, yeah, the, the, the city of Irvine should have received about $49 million um, up to date because of, you know, uh, the, the leadership of Farrah Khan, who's been the only person standing up to the Board of Supervisors. We've received about $7 million of that for the, the various programs, um, you know, that Farrah mentioned. But you know, we, we obviously need to receive more. In the city of Irvine, we have no community-based clinics here in the city of Irvine. And so therefore, you know, the most vulnerable within our community have not been able to receive the care that they need in terms of uh, medical care. A lot of people have lost their jobs and as a result has lost their um, 
their health insurance. So our organization, you know, we've signed up, um, you know, within the city of Irvine, like Irvine residents alone, about 200 people to um, receive Medicaid in Cal Optima. Um, but, you know, they have to go out of the city to receive that care. So, you know, we, we have to look at that. We have to look at our small businesses and, and we have to have more programs here within the city of Irvine that support these small business businesses in terms of loans. You know, I, I receive, um, you know, as a small business owner, I receive a lot of notifications, you know, from the Small Business Administration. And you see, like, you know, counties of Riverside in San Bernardino giving lots and lots of support. I would say, you know, even more so than the city of Irvine. Um, and so, you know, we really need to do much more we need leadership that will go head on with the Board of Supervisors and demand that we receive our fair share, demand that we receive more testing. Because again, you know, of those that have been tested, we have a high population. Um, you know, even though our numbers might be low for COVID testing, the percentage of underserved communities such as Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, those numbers are actually high. So we have to look at making sure that we're outreaching to communities that may have um, issues around language access. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on Radio KUCI. And my guests for the full hour are Irvine City Council candidates, Council Member Farrah Khan running for mayor and running for city council attorney and former council member and mayor Larry Agron, attorney and community services commissioner Lauren Johnson Norris and finance commissioner and community activist Tammy Kim. We'll start with Tammy and go backwards alphabetically now uh, with, I'm moving my question around because of how you're answering the question pertaining to how the pandemic is being managed in Orange County is I've been looking at the pandemic as a way of showing the shortcomings of voting, dropping off down ballot. We have a leadership issue. We have a leadership sort of gap going on at the local level to administer, to manage something as absolutely catastrophic as the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'd like to know how, starting with Tammy Kim, how then in your city council capacity, would you work with someone like the board of supervisor, Don Wagner, who seems not to have a big curiosity about public health? Yeah, you know, obviously what we have here, you know, is an absence of leadership you know, from the White House down, and it's touching on the Board of Supervisors. And so, you know, as a, a city council member, and as a city council as a whole, when we take back the city council as a majority, we have to go head on with the Board of Supervisors. We have to stand up against Don Wagner, because right now that is not happening. Don Wagner is not, um, you know, um, taking masking policy seriously. He is, you know, not taking any of this seriously in, in terms of public policy. He's not advocating for increased testing and, um, you know, nor is he the one that you can go to for funding opportunities to- um, oh, get, get, I'm sorry, I'm gonna just in the interest of time that 
we, I think that's kind of the, the understanding, the underlying uh, assumption we all have. So how would you then work with him as a council member to work to, to free up the cash on, on the board or, and raise profiles of public health better practices? What do you have in your tool chest that you would do to reverse this dynamic that we're all uh, bobbing in the wake of? Well, a lot of it has to do with simply education and letting the, um, you know, right now I think uh, Don Wagner is doing a really great spin job in terms of his own PR. And I think what we need to do and what the city council needs to do is at city council meetings continuously reinforce what the board of supervisors needs to do. We have to have meetings with Don Wagner. We have to um, leverage our community partners, our internal stakeholders to have have these meetings um, with Don Wagner and that's just simply not happening right now. No one is calling him to task. No one is is even, um, you know, aside from Farrakhan, has even made light of this issue. I haven't heard anything or any complaints from the, the city council dais at this point um, regarding Don Wagner in his uh, in actions. And I think that's what we need to do. And it's really difficult right now with Farrakhan alone to be able to, um, you know, present anything at the dais. But when we have a, a majority of city council members, we can get that done and we can bring it to light and we can call them to task. Thank you, Tammy Kim. Lauren Johnson Norris, your answer? It's a great question because we've got a supervisor who is anti-science He's anti-testing, he's anti-facts, and I'd say donor first. And so we, we really need advocates who know how to deal on a daily basis with people who don't, first of all, share our views, but put their own interests over the community. That's sort of what I've been doing as an attorney the last 17 years. I'm up against adversaries every day who spin stories, and portray facts in some of the craziest ways. And I think what we do is if we cannot get a Don Wagner or someone like him to endorse facts, to stand with science and to demand the best for our residents, not just in Irvine, but in this county to make sure that they are safe and that the workforce is safe. Then we take it to the public court of opinion. And the way I've always done that is through storytelling telling the stories of people most impacted by these decisions, telling the story of a grocery worker who is afraid to go to work or a bus driver who's terrified that he'll catch COVID but has no choice but to go to work. I think all of us can relate to the fear of sending our kids to school prematurely or what it's like to take care of a senior or a, a health vulnerable member of our family. If these stories don't move Don Wagner I believe they will move our voters and it puts us at least in a position where we can advocate for a better future for this county. Thank you, Lauren Johnson Norris. Larry Agren? Yes, well, I agree with everything that Lauren and Tammy have said. I would uh, add a couple of political points here. We simply have to have a mayor and city council um, that will take on not only uh, Don Wagner, the entire Board of Supervisors, insist we get uh, our money as a 
pass through to the city of Irvine, but we also need to be prepared to have our own public health institutions and policies here and serve as an example to the rest of the county. You know, while we uh, can, I think, uh, say that relative to others, we're doing reasonably well, if you just look to Santa Ana, Santa Ana has 10 times as many cases, 10 times as many deaths as the city of Irvine. Indeed, it's about 20 times the number of deaths. And this suggests a total failure of county policy. We've got to get ourselves squared away, then work with other cities, serve as an example, and politically not hesitate uh, as Farah has done and others have done to take on the Board of Supervisors. That's the imperative politically. So Farah, you've been mentioned, but here's your chance to weigh in about what you do in addition to or redo or do differently in order to make the case for your municipal constituents to the county constituents that are served by the Board of Supervisor Don Wagner. Thanks, Claudia. You know, as, as a city council member, when my push for funding for our city and small businesses did not go through, I used one of the most powerful tools that many people don't consider as an option, and that's the public. I made sure that the public was activated and knew exactly what was needed and how to get it. We created a petition and a plan of action to email the Board of Supervisors and put pressure on them. I'll tell you that there is no better tool than the public's voice. The majority of us know that we need science and data. We know we have to take precautions, but in working with someone like Don Wagner, the only way that he's going to move is by the pressure coming from the public. And that is gonna take all of us to get this done. So the key takeaway is to engage our community. We have to make sure that not only we as individuals are speaking up and fighting for the community, but we're enabling our community members to become engaged and fight with us. So I would like then as a, the, it's sort of the subheading, but it's actually the broader topic of how we're, we've gotten to this place is how do each one of you, we'll start with Larry and then we'll go to Lauren, Tammy, and then to Farah. How are you in this moment, in this final stretch, raising a profile of down ballot races? Well, at every opportunity, including this one, I encourage voters not to stop at the top, uh, but to go, uh, in the case of uh, partisan Democrats, go from Biden to the bottom. Just make sure you do not stop at the top. You don't stop with voting for uh, Biden or Katie Porter, even Dave Min and our two uh, assembly candidates. You keep going down to the local nonpartisan races that are in fact a choice between progressives on the one hand and extreme right wing uh, candidates, uh, some of whom actually hold office now. So it's just imperative to tell people when they get that ballot in the mail, and most people will be voting uh, using the mail-in ballot, that they understand their assignment is to move right on down the ballot, 
this is particularly true for younger voters. Yes. And we just have to, uh, through programs like this and through everything we publish, encourage people to fully exercise their franchise from top to bottom. Lauren Johnson Norris, how are you going to raise the profile and ensure, the, to the best of your ability, greater participation down ballot? A great question because we all know how much attention the national, the federal elections get and how many folks just aren't in tune with the candidates down ballot. We see it time and again. I can share with you our team of volunteers, grassroots supporters. We are on the phones. We are texting voters every day, tens and tens of thousands of them, letting them know about our campaign and that there even is a city council race. And I think that by reaching out to each individual voter and sharing that information, it gives them the chance to go online and sort of pick around and see what issues matter to them and become more interested in the electeds who are directly in their community. And I'll tell you, we've had a great response in the sense that folks might have said, I didn't know who, who you were, but now that I know, thank you so much for educating me. And that's why I think it really is incumbent on us as candidates to carry that load, to lift ourselves up and lift each other up and, and really lift the public up by educating them. And I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. When they say to me, or when we ask them, what is the most important issue you think coming up for the November election? And folks say, getting Trump out of office. We often say things like, well, how do you feel about getting Trump supporters out of office right here in Irvine? And I can tell you it's very effective. And uh, Tammy Kim? Uh, yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people, they wanna know, you know, when I'm reaching out to them, they, they wanna know if you're, you know, whether or not you're supporting Trump. Um, and- What do you, know, you say? They, they, they well, no, I do not support Trump. And no, if you, what, you tell them that. that. When they ask you that, what is your answer yeah, to them? Yeah, my, my answer is no, I do not support Trump. And if oh. you do not support Trump, then please vote for myself and de Democratic candidates and put us in city council. And, you know, many people, I think, um, you know, I think that this virus and this pandemic has really, really taught us a lot. Um, because this crisis has revealed... Um, just how important local elections are. Because, you know, we, we haven't been getting guidance or the appropriate guidance, you know, again, from the White House, from Washington, D.C. And it's really important that um, we elect good leaders at the local level. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people that I speak to have also been involved in, you know, um, uh, protests for civil justice as well. And a lot of these things, you know, they just, they happen really right here at the local level. So whether it's, you know, ensuring that, um, you know, we have appropriate public safety measures or a, a good response to, um, to the pandemic, these things are really important. And these, you know, the day-to-day -day will happen at the city council level, at the school board level. You know, you talk to people in Flint, Michigan, where I grew up, and they will tell you how important water board is. You know, we're talking about a school board and whether or not your kids are going to school and whether they're socially distanced. All of that happens down ballot. And so I feel people are, are noticing a lot more, which has been indicative of 
the amount of volunteers that you know at least our campaign has been able to receive from from the youth from from you know so many college students and so many young people um, who've been energized. Thank you, Tammy Kim. And now uh, Farah Khan. Thanks, Claudia. You know, um, people are energized and excited about voting for president and Congress, but they have to understand the importance of voting for local offices like mayor, council member, and school board, um, water board. Um, you know, but I'll be honest, it's hard to get to voters um, with this pandemic, it's harder to get to voters by phone, by texting. You know, there's a lot going on in everyone's lives and it's kind of difficult when you're not in front of them face to face. But at the same time, it's gonna take all of us to reach out to our networks to make sure everyone is not only voting, but they know exactly who to vote for. Um, you know, reaching out to our student population that may be not on campus right now and letting them know if they're still registered um, here in our area that can still vote. Um, the same thing with our, uh, our folks in our different neighborhoods, just letting them know, hey, you know what? We've got some great candidates that are actually working for the community on behalf of the community, and we need every vote to win. This is gonna be a very um, high turnout um, election, and we don't want it to drop off when it comes to the local level. And you know, when it comes to mayor, yes. I tell folks, do you really want a mayor that has donated to Trump four different times? I mean, that's who we're up against. So if you don't think that she doesn't support Trump, because she'll be out there saying that I'm middle ground and, you know, I don't um, believe in what Trump is doing, but you do not get to say that when you're behind the scenes donating to that man. That is just, you know, that needs to come out to the public so they understand who we're up against. And, you know, someone that doesn't believe in climate change, someone does not believe in inclusivity, someone that does not believe that we have a diverse com um, community here in Irvine. So all of these issues are very important for us to get out into the public and, and make sure that they know who to vote for when it comes down to November. And even before November, I say vote early, um, drop your ballot in the um, ballot drop box. Um, don't even worry about the US mail. We don't know what's going on there. Um, so be safe and, and you know get those votes out early. Thank you. Farrakhan. Let me just introduce my guests once again. For the full hour, they are Councilmember Farrakhan running for mayor and running for city council, attorney and former councilmember Mayor Larry Agron, attorney and community services commissioner Lauren Johnson Norris, and finance commissioner and community activist Tammy Kim. So let's talk about what we, we had a climate action plan that's been it's it's been adopted we, there was a stall with the community choice energy in irvine program and and irvine has an important role of being the kind of lead off municipality to get a community choice energy program in place it's it's a a multi-month multi-year kind of process it was stalled let's start with lauren johnson norris then we'll go to Larry, and then we'll go to Tammy about what are you going to do to make sure the push comes to bring the Community Choice Energy Program to the finish line? Great question. You know, Claudia, climate change is the existential crisis of our generation and our kids' generation. It's so critical that municipal electeds do everything they can to not just protect our open spaces, 
but fight climate change in every way. And that's not just community choice energy, which is a huge piece, but also across sectors, be it building, transportation, how we deal with waste. But you asked about community choice energy, and I have to say, um, it, was so, it was so exciting and so promising as we were moving in the direction toward community choice energy. And, um, but you know, I credit the electeds who've worked on that in our city. I'll tell you, I think it's stalled because I don't think that the Republican folks who are on the council really wanted to see it happen. And the votes aren't there. We need the votes. Really, it comes down to counting to three. We need elected officials who will stand behind community choice energy, who will stand behind you know, the democratization of energy and a push for sustainable climate goals, for an implementation of that climate action plan. And in addition, a standalone climate action document that we can have, that we can modify as necessary, so that as we move forward, we together as a city should hopefully be leaders in the region on this issue. You know, Irvine, we lead in technology. We have such a strong workforce sector in developing advanced technologies. There's just no reason why with a university like UCI in an incredible technology sector that we're not leading in climate action planning. So that's our, that's our charge. I'm excited to work forward in leading that charge. Okay, Tammy Kim. Thank you, Lauren Johnson-Norris. Yeah, I would, um, you know, I, I agree a lot with what Lauren says. Um, I, I don't feel right now that there is the will um, to, to push community choice energy. I, I really wanted to see it happen um, because I do believe um, very strongly that climate change is a threat to humanity, period. And I feel that, you know, we have an opportunity to take really bold actions and bold steps in terms of mitigating the climate crisis. And I'm very committed to that. And I'm very disappointed that Community Choice Energy does not look like it's going to happen. I know, um, and I, Farrah will talk to it, you know, we're, we're hoping and praying, but I just, I don't really feel that there's a will. But, you know, the, the, you know, we, we have so many brilliant minds and so much of research has been done at UCI and we just really need to take advantage of the resources that already exist to make Irvine um, the hub of green technology industry. And I believe that, you know, when we're looking at the economic crisis due to COVID and how we can sort of help get out of that, we have the opportunity to really be the leaders in building a, uh, a new green technology infrastructure and in industry. So we, we need to leverage uh, being a city of innovation with what we already have to help sort of this burgeoning um, green technology infrastructure. Uh, industry. And, you know, we, we just, we have to have a city council that places innovation at the forefront of Irvine's planning and policymaking so we can ensure, um, you know, our success in the long run. Thank you, Tammy Kim. Larry Agron? Yes, well, let me again agree with uh, Lauren and with Tammy and simply underscore the points that they've made. We absolutely need a new mayor and new city council majority to be able to move quickly 
on not just any old climate action plan, but a plan that is exemplary, that is the best in the United States of America, which obviously includes uh, community choice uh, energy uh, among its components. It ought to also include uh, doubling the number of trees that we have in the city of Irvine. That alone is an important example to every other municipality and to the world at large. Let me uh, just point out that we did this uh, in the 1980s. Professor Sherwood Rowland at UCI and I worked together on the question of how do you operationalize what he understood as to the science of chlorofluorocarbons and how they were depleting the ozone layer. You operationalize policy by creating it as we did locally. And as uh, we succeeded with that, it served as an example to other cities, states, the country as a whole and the world. And indeed, we had uh, policies put in place at every level of government thereafter that effectively has solved the ozone depletion problem. The issues of global warming, climate change are more complex, but we ought to be setting the example here in the city of Irvine, working hand in glove with UCI every step of the way. Thank you, Larry Agron. Farrah Khan. Thank you, Claudia. You know, actually, CCE was not supported by our former city manager and mayor. They didn't understand it, and they didn't want to support it. And that has been the biggest struggle um, when it came to CCE. But I'll tell you, I have been working on CCE with UCI professors since 2015. And it's taken us five years to get to the point where we are today. And we've been working hard educating my colleagues through climate change organizations to get them on board. Uh, so CCE is happening. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you that because we have voted for it and we are moving forward on it. So there is no stalling it now. Um, we have already started the JPA, which is a Joint Powers Authority um, Agreement. And we have Costa Mesa, Fullerton, and Laguna Woods who are interested in joining us. So we are in those communications. We are trying to get the load data from them um, in order to get them on board. Now we just need to get the board um, formalized and submit the implementation plan by January 1st. So those are the two things that are remaining that we still have to do this year. Uh, so the next steps are once we have the board formed and we have um, submitted our implementation plan to the CPUC, um, the next steps will be all in 2021. And that includes um, lending $2 million into the program to implement it. And that $2 million will cover all of 2021. And it's a loan that we've put out into the program, into the CCE program, that will be refunded back to the city. And so that's important to understand that implementing CCE is not costing the city a dime. Everything that we put into the program's implementation now will be refunded back to the city. Not only that, but then we know that from other cities, and we just had a meeting um, on the 22nd where um, we had consultants and attorneys share that any city in any region that has implemented CCE has been refunded their investment within the first or second year. So we know that that is possible. We know that this isn't a long-term investment. Um, it's a short-term investment for long-term um, benefits for the entire community. 
And so um, just wanted to clarify that, you know, uh, we are moving forward and I have worked very hard uh, behind the scenes to make sure that um, we push this as far as possible. And I'd like to thank all the community members, especially our UCI um, folks who have been so supportive of CCE and have provided so much information to my colleagues, um, getting them on board as well. So um, a big kudos to them. Now, when it comes to the climate action plan, we voted on that climate action plan um, last year. And that was something that I initiated, making sure that we had a plan not only a standalone plan, but a plan that was linked to our general plan. So it could never be taken away. So this is something that's not gonna be able to be repealed. A standalone plan will be able to be repealed should this council be overturned um, and, and we have people that don't believe in it. And so I made sure that it was linked to our general plan, making sure now um, in the upcoming meetings, we'll be investing some money into that climate action plan to make, make sure that we are doing the work that we have set out to do. And so I believe it's somewhere around $300,000 um, that we're gonna have coming um, from our budget, but that is definitely going to be well spent when it comes to reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, when it comes to making sure that we're building um, with LEED, making sure that we are you know, um, uh, making sure our landscaping is um, up to par with natural um, plants and drought resistant plants, and so all of this comes into play with um, the details and data that we have been collecting for the past year uh, on this climate action plan. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And we'll be reaching out to the community to make sure that they are um, you know, sending out their comments and emails in support of funding the climate action plan. That will be key for us um, to get going right now in order to help us in years to come. Thank you, Farrakhan. I'm going to pivot everybody on an unwieldy pivot. We'll start with Farah, and then we're going to go alphabetical. We'll go to Larry, Lauren Johnson Norris, and then Tammy Kim. What is the appropriate type of funding for public security on the municipal level? Talk about your priorities in the Irvine public safety budget. Farah, Khan. Thank you, Claudia. You know, um, our budget, I believe it's about 40% goes towards public safety. And, um, and this is something that is, you know, very important right now because, you know, we, we are not a city that can be compared to many other cities. We're quite unique when it comes to anything that we do from our master plan community to our public safety. And so for me, the importance is really bringing people to the table to see what exactly it is that people that are affected by public safety want. And so, you know, we had our BLM protests um, here in the city, all by the way, which were peaceful, all by the way, which were community led. And um, after that, uh, what I did was I reached out to a lot of our black community members, residents here in Irvine, and brought them in for a round table discussion. And for the first meeting, we included our police chief and our assistant police chief. And we had the community speak up on issues that were affecting them and came up with action plans. One of the action plans was that they wanted body cams expedited. And so in the next meeting, council meeting that we had, we made sure we agendized it and we approved it. Second thing was they wanted a speaker series um, for the police officers. So we're working in conjunction with UCI African American Studies Program um, to bring in um, speakers to the police to talk about trauma and the effects of their actions on the black community and people of color. Um, and so we wanna get that going. 
And then now we're actually working towards um, looking at our policies and our ordinances to make sure that we have diversity, equity, and inclusion in every policy in our city. So when, when we talk about funding for the police, I understand that we need the funding there to make sure that we have enough officers. We are a growing city. Um, we're not quite at the one officer per 1,000 um, person um, you know, ratio. And I also understand that our officers do an amazing job when it comes to reaching out and, and being community partners. But at the same time, that does not mean that we don't have room to improve. And that's where we come in. We look at those gaps where we need improvement and work on those gaps. We have officers that are asking for help. They're asking for social services um, to help support them in some of the calls. Okay. So why don't we have a department that includes social services that will go out with the officers and handle the issues that um, need to be handled by social services, not with an officer with a gun. And so really we need to get into the nitty gritty of all of our uh, needs and, and um, requirements within the city to get what we need to done. So there is going to be a push for, um, you know, some sort of a social services department within our city that is going to be supportive of our police department, um, that is going to be supportive of our community's needs when it comes to mental health, homelessness, and, and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to really getting down to it and working um, and bringing everyone to the table to fulfill those gaps that we have in our city. Thank you, Farrakhan. Larry Agron? Yes, I just want to... Uh underscore some of the uh, terrific points that uh, Farrah Khan uh, just made. Uh, we have an outstanding police department, uh, well-funded, well-trained, excellent in their performance, thoroughly integrated culturally, racially, in terms of language skills and so forth. And we have benefited from those outstanding investments over many, many years. What we need to do in terms of funding is pay more attention to the social support side. Many of those responsibilities are police responsibilities now, uh, certainly dealing with domestic uh, conflict of one kind or another as part of their functions. We really should begin to think organizationally in terms of not just a Department of Public Safety, but as a department of public safety and health, which includes mental health, obviously includes uh, the health of people in Irvine in dealing with the pandemic and other health challenges. Public safety and public health go hand in hand. We have to kind of reimagine the organization of city funds for those purposes. Thank you, Larry Agron. Lauren Johnson Norris. I love this question because I've spent my life's work advocating for kids and families in the justice system and public safety is such a critical topic these days. Claudia, when we talk about public safety, we have to talk about police, EMTs and healthcare workers and responders, fire, social workers, counselors at schools, restorative justice at schools, education, prevention, and diversion for youth. So it's not just police that must be at the forefront of our minds. We have an outstanding community-based police force in Irvine, but I know from my work that we only have justice where the community has the utmost confidence that their city is providing justice for all of its residents. So when we talk about issues like homelessness and mental health and substance abuse, our residents want to be able to call for help 
not just for themselves, but for residents in the community and their neighbors and not have to call 911. When someone calls 911 for a social issue, they're automatically criminalizing what's gonna happen next because the responders currently will be police. We need social workers to respond to those calls. Our residents want more responsive social services in this city. And we need to move away from what we've seen at this county level and at our city level for far too long, which is a law enforcement only approach to social problems. Economic stability and social support is what provides safety in our community. Public safety is a piece of that. We've got to look at it holistically and make sure that at the city level, we are delivering what our residents need, they want, and what they pay taxpayer money for. Thank you, Lauren Johnson-North. Tammy Kim, finally. Yes. Um, so I was very involved, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, in the BLM protest here that, uh, you know, happened, the very peaceful protest, and, and actually spoke it at one of the larger ones where, where several people, uh, several thousand people came um, to peacefully protest. And I, I think the, the the reason why it was so peaceful because you know the the irvine police department handled it very very well in my opinion and from what i saw um and so i i really give kudos to them for that um i do have to sort of disagree though on um you know former mayor agrin in terms of the language skills so you know one of the things that i have personally discussed with the Irvine Police Department is the fact that they, you know, um, they need to hire more public safety officers that have the language skills needed here within the city of Irvine. Currently, we have 40% of our residents who are foreign born and 50% of our residents speak a language other than English. And public safety, as Lauren mentioned, is built on trust between the community and its police. And I wanna make sure that we continue to be the safest city um, in the United States, but that can only happen when we have trust um, and a strong relationship with our diverse uh, residents. So that means we need to continue to hire more police officers who not only can speak the languages such as uh, Chinese or Korean and other Vietnamese, but who also understand the nuances and have the cultural competency. We have to make sure um, that um, we're getting the data because, you know, anecdotally, we have way too many black and brown residents um, who are, who feel targeted when they're driving through the city of Irvine. And I know that we have, we capture this data, but it's not being released. So we want to know, again, these are direct conversations I've had with IPD to make sure that we're, that the data of people who are being pulled over and are ticketed what the um, what the racial breakdown is because again we're hearing anecdotally from not only our black but hispanic uh, residents that they feel targeted and they feel um, that they're being pulled over at a very high percentage so these are things that I think that can be done. We can, we've got a great police department, but we can always do better. Thank you, Tammy Kim. I'm going to do now 
what is a kind of a it's a cheap journalistic kind of a, a ploy, but I it's a lightning round of sorts. I'd like for you each to respond in one sentence only your support for three separate things. So I'll mention um, three different items and with each item, I'll go down the checklist of each one of you. So starting with uh, mayor candidate, council member Farrakhan, your position on Prop 15, one sentence. Yes, yes. support. Larry Agron. Yes, I support Proposition 15. Lauren Johnson Norris? Oh. And Tammy Kim? Yes, absolutely. And then uh, starting again with Farrah Khan, Proposition 19. Oh, which one is that, Claudia? I'm sorry. That's the one that I guess gives, it's allowing for uh, several uh, primary residences. It's, a, it's another adjustment to the, the assessments of the right, properties. Right, right, right. You know, that one I need to look into a little more. It's a little confusing at this time. I'm, I'm not decided yet. Okay. Larry Agron? I would uh, echo what Farrah said. I've yet to read it or to understand it. Okay. And Lauren Johnson Norris? I'm four, and as a California uh, Assembly delegate, I've also advocated for. Tammy Kim? Yes, I absolutely support this. Now, the final one, and this is going to be a few more sentences, but it's, this is the, the last question, although, of course, I had other policy questions, but this is the close here. We'll start with Farrah Khan. Irvine City Council is now, all the seats are at large. What is your position on creating special districts for people to vote on their city council candidates? You know, I've been going back and forth on this one. Um, I was supportive of it. I'm a little uh, not too supportive of it right now because I don't think it'll accomplish the goal that we're setting for. But I do want to push for adding two more seats on the council. Um, I, I think as a city as large as ours, five people on the council are not enough. Our neighboring cities with much less population have seven seats. We should have seven seats as well. Okay, thank you. Larry Agron? We are the largest uh city in the state not to have district elections. Um, I think the city of Irvine is going to be forced to have district elections by a lawsuit going forward, but it would be better if the plan came from the people of the city uh, themselves. So uh, I support district elections. I think it would make for better representation on the council in the city. Lauren Johnson Norris? I 100% support district elections. I think it helps us get more people of color and lower income folks elected. And I think it provides better representation. And I do support also having additional seats on the council. We're a big city, we need better representation. Thank you. Tammy Kim, finally. Um, as a woman of color, I absolutely am in disagreement right now. Um, of district elections because it will not accomplish um, um, the disenfranchisement of um, um, minority voters here within the city of Irvine. I think it will actually make it worse because the city of Irvine is very unique in the fact that we do not have, we are not a segregated community. We're very well integrated and we don't have any um, cultural um, 
or ethnic enclaves here within the city of Irvine. And so districting could actually disenfranchise us um, more. But what I do support wholeheartedly is ensuring that we have more representation. We are nearly approaching 300,000. We have the same amount of city council seats as we did in 1971 with only 10,000 residents. So I, I am firmly supportive of, um, of the addition. I want to thank you all for giving us a real insight about your motivations, your preparation, and your putting yourselves out there. I want to thank every one of you for being on Ask a Leader today on this show. Thank you, Claudia. Thank so you much for having us. Thank you, and uh, please, folks, remember to vote down ballot. Farrakhan for mayor, Tammy Kim, Lauren Johnson Norris, and uh, for me, Larry Agron. Thank you, Claudia. My guests for this entire hour have been Irvine City Council candidates, Council Member Farrah Khan running for mayor and running for city council, attorney and former council member Mayor Larry Agron, attorney and community services commissioner Lauren Johnson Norris, and finance commissioner community activist Tammy Kim. And one other thank you to those guests. I always Try to remember in my interviews during the election season, I thank all the candidates for running for public office. Thanks again, all. Well, that was my wrap. Next week, UCI law professor Dave Min will talk about his state Senate candidacy and we'll bring on some heady proposition analysis, hoping we get in all 12. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Do I need to say, wear your critical thinking caps for the presidential debate tonight? Shall I remind you about your mask? Finally, go over all your ballot instructions carefully and vote early on.